Greetings. Welcome to Cheese the Day, the North Coast's premier cheese-based podcast, as far as we know. My name is Thomas. I'm the cheese department head here at the North Coast Co-op in Eureka. I'm here with my fellow cheese nerd, Veronica. She's the <laughs> department head for the cheese department at the Arcata location. <laughs> she doesn't have the script in front of her. Only I do. I've got the power. <laughs> and on that note, today, since I've got the power, uh, we're going to be talking about frequently asked questions that we, as cheesemongers, get in our daily jobs. Yes. The most frequently asked questions that, I don't know, maybe... During our regular workday, we don't have time to give the full answer to. And, well, generally most customers don't really want to take the time to listen to the full answer. But now that we have you listening to us. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you guys count as a captive audience yeah. out there in podcast land. Yeah. There aren't other podcasts you could go and listen to, are there? Yeah, there are. But Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> uh, no, these questions, I, I don't know how many times I've answered these questions. I assume... Hundreds at this point. I'm just going to say hundreds without any evidence. Which means I've answered them thousands of times, probably. Okay. okay. Yeah. Way to one-up me, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so just diving right in here. Uh, the first question that comes up all the time is like, why don't you carry X cheese? It's my favorite cheese. Why can't I buy it here at the co-op? <laughs> Veronica, making Those other intense stores eye contact with you. have it. Those other stores have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, when I lived in L.A., I used to buy it all the time. And now that I live here in Humboldt, I miss it yeah. all the time. There's a whole slew of reasons why we might not have something. Probably the number one reason would be because it's not readily available to us. If yeah. you bought it in L.A., they have different distributors and they definitely have a, uh, a larger base to pull from to order products because we're kind of behind the redwood curtain and sometimes it can be harder or more expensive to get things yeah if you've ever us. ordered anything here you know because you've paid for shipping to humboldt right. county and like and they say two-day shipping and it, it'll be four it's never two-day shipping yeah yeah it's yeah. hard to get things into and out of the county there's like three roads in and out yeah and then uh the other reason would probably be well just demographics we don't have so many people shopping in this area with lots and lots of money and so if if we are going to bring in something we need to we need to be sure that it's actually going to sell yeah. and if it's a little more expensive and only two people want it or know what it is then we we have to be responsible about bringing in products that we think will actually sell very often the answer for me is, well, we tried to carry it. We ordered a wheel and we cut it up and we put it on the shelf in its special spot. And then it went bad on the shelf because nobody bought it. And like right. we tried sampling it and it just oftentimes people's favorite cheese aren't necessarily a cheese that are going to do well with everyone else's palate here. Yeah. Um, and that to me is tragic every time it happens. Well, it is. And we have to keep track of, okay, so how much of whatever we brought in, how much actually sold and how much did we end up throwing away? And essentially the products that we put on the shelf have to pay their rent. They have to pay their rent. And if they sit there and take up space and they're not making any money and then we end up throwing them away, we're throwing away the money 
And we don't want to keep doing that. <laughs> I feel like this conversation is turning into like, get a job, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why don't you get up off the shelf and go get some money? <laughs> uh, yeah. Another, another really common reason that we don't carry your favorite cheese is there are thousands of cheeses in the world. Sometimes the answer is, I've never heard of your favorite cheese, but now that I've heard of it, I'm going to go Google it and learn about it. And maybe I will order it because it sounds awesome. I've brought in some really great cheeses because I've had customers come in and they came in from out of the area. They're traveling through and they say, oh, my gosh, do you have Latour's a good example. A customer came in and she's like, do you have Latour? I get it here. I was like, no, I've never heard of that, but I'm going to go check it out now. And if I can find it and it's, I think, a reasonable price, I will be bringing that in because she was so excited about the potential that we might have it. Oh my goodness, that is such a good example because that is one of my very favorite cheeses. When I first started working for you as a baby cheesemonger, that, that was makes pretty. It, that makes it sound like child labor. I was After wasn't I adult. brought it in, that was a pretty recent acquisition. I remember you giving me a taste of that cheese. It was a fantastic cheese. For the folks at home who haven't tried this cheese, just explain the like glory. That is Latour. It's a mix of cow, sheep, and goat's milk. And it's it's so it's it's like a puck shaped sized cheese. It's a bloomy rind cheese. And it's a bloomy rind it's cheese. Quite soft and, and it's just like really silky. Soft and I would I would almost say fluffy. Not quite fluffy. Yeah. I don't know. It reminds me it it reminds me of a little like perfect little cupcake of cheese delight. Yeah. And it's a little stinky, so if you like the stinky cheese... In such cheese, a good probably, way. It is, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If you don't like the stinky cheese and it, you're not into goat cheese or any of that, probably won't enjoy it, but... I've also recommended it to a few people who are kind of on the cusp about goat cheese, and they're all right with the stinky, but the, that goat flavor, that kind of goat tang gets mm-hmm. to them a little, but they for one reason or another, want to like it or have to share it with other people that are really into it. The cow and the sheep kind of, all the milks mixed together, kind of blend them all and sort of tone down the extremities that some of them have. Yeah. 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 Although it is it is still a very powerful flavor. It is. Oh, it's so good. Just that, that stinky quality that it's got I going love it. on. It's and it just... will make your fridge smell. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you bring it home. If you forget it's in your fridge and you open the fridge door, this you're is, like, what is that? Oh, it's the cheese. I know right. I do a lot of public service announcements, but <laughs> I'm not saying that I've ever done this. I will not admit to anything, but do not leave a thing of Latour in your car oh. overnight no. in the summer, ever. <laughs> For re- like, just there's not an important reason why I know that. Don't ask that question, but it will take weeks and weeks and weeks after you've washed it. Uh, Because first of all, it'll just liquefy and run everywhere because of course you left it it in there on its side. Oh no, you did that? Yeah, no, it fell out of the shopping bag on its side. I mean, like it didn't, but hypothetically it did. No, 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 no. This was (laughs) that car somewhere else now. Oh, huh. Yeah, yeah, that's someone else's problem now. I assume it doesn't smell like Latour anymore, (laughs) but... <laughs> My new car is unspoiled by cheese, obviously. For that'll, now, that'll change. That'll soon. change. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. Okay. 
Um, why is Gruyere so expensive? And we're using Gruyere as like the top recognizable cheese that people are asking yeah. for that kind of gets sticker shocked when they see it. But this this explanation we'll give could probably encompass a whole bunch of cheeses, a mostly whole bunch import of cheeses. cheeses, but we'll touch base on some like handcrafted American cheeses also. Yeah. Sometimes you pick up a piece of cheese and it looks like a totally normal piece of Swiss and you look at the back and you see something approaching or well over $20 a pound and you're like, what the heck? Yeah. Why can't I just buy Lucerne Swiss for less money? Well, you could, but it won't taste like how you want it to taste. No, it won't at all. special French onion soup or the croque madame or croque monsieur. I feel like... It's now that I've brought them up, I just have to say, like, I've maybe a controversial opinion. I've never put a piece of Lucerne cheese in my mouth or in a dish that wasn't really bland. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what that's before we get into, like, how cheese is priced and why it's expensive. I just want to say right off the bat, like, you very often get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And if you want that big, bold, wonderful Swiss flavor, you might have to, well, got to pay for what you get. Gruyere is wonderful. Gruyere is wonderful. And it's called for in so many different recipes. So it's one that comes up a lot where customers come in and they're like, oh, I, I'm making French onion soup or I'm making my grandma's quiche or I'm making like almost any recipe from like any foodie website. Gruyere is it seems like in every recipe. Uh, so why is Gruyere so expensive? Um, it is a protected cheese. It's got the protected designated origin label. And import cheese is taxed. Yes, we tariffs. Pay, we pay big fat tariffs because, well, you've got paper in front of you and I've several got paper other in front of me. Yeah. papers We've in front of you. We've read a lot of articles about this recently in doing research for this and other podcasts. Uh, tariffs been in the news a lot recently, but I mean, currently I think we're in dairy disputes with the EU, Canada, probably several other countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Dairy disputes. Like dairy that's disputes. an official political dispute you can have now. Yes. <laughs> well, check on check on some of those those handy dandy printouts that I Oh sorry, sorry. I'm there. not referencing my printouts enough. Um so in in the first article that you sent me mm-hmm. uh, in researching this, uh that was an article which we will probably include in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I believe it was from Serious Eats. Mm-hmm. which I love. That's a fantastic website that I go to all the time in my personal life. Um, wh- so in cheese pricing is complicated. It is, it is a commodity. Dairy is a global commodity. It's globally traded. And the price is subject to a lot of very complicated economic forces that I am now like sweating bullets because I'm afraid that you're going to ask me to go into them. And I frankly <laughs> don't even understand them really, but <laughs> For one thing, governments uh, subsidize the price of milk in some places. Right. And apparently, they do this to both make that product more affordable for the masses, but also to, like, 
get one over on other countries because it causes right. these disputes between us and Canada where we're like, well, you're subsidizing your dairy farmers, but you're subsidizing your dairy farmers. But, but yeah, right. we only did that because Wisconsin cheese is like traditional Americana. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and all in of that Europe, is paraphrasing. They, I have no idea what the also, actual arguments are. So that if you are buying Gruyere in, in Switzerland yeah. or France, you're going to pay a whole lot less there because their dairy is also subsidized. Then they're trying to support their own industry there. Yeah. So there's all these economic forces that determine the price of milk and sometimes tariffs on products made from those, mm-hmm. that dairy, cheeses, etc. Uh, but there's also uh, not all milk on the market is the same milk. There's like just general commodity milk, which is like, you know, the... The, the mild cheddar of the mild cheddar of the milk world, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you knew exactly the type of example I was yes. trying to come up with. Uh, but there's also like specialty artisanal milk, and this article did a really good job explaining why you might choose one milk over the other. The the average just dairy producing Holstein cow eating a special milk producing diet. I read, and you will too if you check out this article. A <laughs> uh, hundred pounds of milk a day. That was shocking to me. That's yeah. an obscene amount of milk. Yeah. That I I had no idea. Dairy I'm, cows are bred to produce farmer. lots and lots of milk. And they produce so much milk that if they just had their calves like normal and fed their calves, it'd be too much milk for the calves that they that they have. Because they bred to have, to, to create milk. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, another important factor in cheese production is that milk from different breeds of cow, because we have been breeding these cows for select properties for so long, uh, milk from different breeds tastes different and has different properties like fat content and protein content mm-hmm. that affect the flavor and quality of your cheese. And so you might select different cows and different milks for making your special different cheeses. But then aging of cheese comes into play and the cheese kind of has to pay its rent for yeah. how long it sits and ages, how much how much care and attention it needs for its aging, whether it's a cheese that's just going to be vacuum sealed and packed and aged in a warehouse that's just refrigerated or whether it's going to be a natural rinded wheel of cheese, but it needs, needs to be turned every couple days and, you know... Anything growing on it needs to be cleaned off. There's so many factors that come into play with artisanal cheeses and, I always and like other to regular bring up, cheeses. I always like to bring up that hand aging. Sorry to, to cut you off a little bit. I'm passionate about this topic. Uh, if something is aged uh, in open air in a cave, and especially like a washed rind cheese, mm-hmm. we have not as yet invented a machine that I know of that can look at a wheel of cheese, determine which parts of the cheese need to be washed in saltwater brine to clean off the things that are growing mm-hmm. on it, and then gently turn it. There's there's no substitute for a human expert in that case. Whereas right. mass-produced cheeses, a lot of that work can be done by machine, and we don't really yeah. need as much human labor involved there. Yeah. Well, when I when I was lucky enough to go to Europe this last time, and visit my sister, I got to go to Gruyere, Switzerland. And I and I went into the factory and they have this viewing window and you can look and there's racks and racks and racks and aisles full of racks 
full of big wheels of Gruyere cheese. And they actually have a robot going down the aisle and it puts its little arms out and it grabs the cheese and it takes it in and it cleans it off and it turns it over and puts it back on the shelf. Because there's thousands and thousands of wheels of cheese. I stand corrected. Apparently there is a machine that can replace that human expert. But, but Gruyere is not a washed rind cheese though. Right. And for, and for other more delicate cheeses like Roquefort and and things like that. Yeah. I feel or Latour. Like, yeah, there there needs to be some human hands in there. For sure. Um that that was a European example. We talked about the fact that we were going to cover an American artisanal example. Mm-hmm. Um and the best one that comes to mind here in California to me is Cowgirl Creamery. They set out to make a fantastic cheese like Mount Tam, and they use Strauss Family Farms milk. Mm-hmm. They can't use just any old milk and end up at that cheese. It has to be a truly great milk, which right. that milk is for sale in the grocery stores. You see it. It is much more expensive than an ordinary milk because those cows cost more. Yeah. <laughs> just their upkeep costs more. Uh, doing... Doing farming that produces a higher quality milk is not as cost efficient as having as many cows as you can physically fit in a warehouse <laughs> yeah. being milked for hundreds of gallons a day or hundreds of pounds of milk a day. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, End story. You, you, you get what you pay for. Yeah. End story. You get what you pay for. On that sort of dystopian image of <laughs> factory farming of cows... Let's take a break to uh, recollect our thoughts. And uh, we'll be back in a minute. Cheese the Day is the official cheese cast of the North Coast Co-op, your local member-owned and organic certified grocery store, where everyone is welcome. Now back to the cheese nerds. And we're back. Welcome back, guys. We missed you. (laughs) We got excited and started talking about this stuff before we were supposed to come back from our break, and so we we decided we should just record it. <laughs> yeah, we always kind of get in trouble with our editor on breaks for having really great cheese conversations, which are never recorded for posterity. <laughs> uh. Okay, so a common question: What is the difference between all these cheddars? So I was just telling Thomas a minute ago. Uh, there are so many different kinds of cheese. So many. But as far as cheddar goes, I think cheddar has the most diverse spectrum of flavor profile. You know, there's mild, there's medium, and there's sharp, but then there's, like, extra sharp, extra really, really, really sharp. And then there's cheddars that have other cultures from other cheeses in them, like a Parmesan yeah. Like made a, a cheddar cheese that's made like Parmesan. In both it's stores, good. we sell raw milk sharp cheddar and New York sharp cheddar. Yeah. They're both white sharp cheddars, presumably aged similar amounts of time. But they're a little different. They're, to me, they seem crazy different. It's just different milks that yeah. they start with. Uh, they're they're a little bit different texturally to me, but not, there's, not massively. I guess there's so many, there's so many adjustments you can make along the way of making cheese that will really affect the end result. Yeah. Flavor and texture and color. I feel like you said that 
Cheddar is the one that has the most diversity, and I completely agree that that diversity is there in Cheddar. But when you first said that to me, my immediate thought was, well, hang on. Is that just because the U.S. loves cheddar, so we sell a billion different kinds of cheddar? That could be. That's a hyperbole. Because, I mean, how many cheddars are there with other things added into them? I think you could apply that to Jack. Yeah. Cheese as well. But there's habanero cheddar and there's jalapeno cheddar. (laughs) There's cheddar cheddar with with garlic in it. Various additives. But those those differences that are, are more subtle and more to do with the... The ingredients used, even when that ingredient is just like milk, salt, and cultures, mm-hmm. and maybe some annatto, uh, those variations are definitely there. Because, like, why doesn't Lucerne cheddar taste the same as Rumiano's organic lime? Because Rumiano's organic lime is just better. I feel like I'm really ragging on Lucerne in this episode. <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> They're the cheese I ate a lot during my childhood, mm-hmm. and I... I think uh, I've since discovered others. Maybe part of this question: What's the difference between all these cheddars? Is also the question like, why do you have so many cheddars? Yeah, because people love cheddar. Because people love cheddar, and, and because they all taste different. Uh, yeah, and if if people ask for, I don't know, a Kerrygold, a special Kerrygold cheddar, I'll look into bringing it in. Mm-hmm. But we, I don't even know how many cheddars we have. We have a lot. Oh my goodness. And they get to stay because they pay their rent. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about the differences between our domestic cheddars. Once you open it up to other countries, those often taste very different than any cheddar you can get here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's down to, I mean, terroir. Yeah. Maybe handling practices. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Handling practices and yeah, yeah, aging and all of that. There's so many factors that can change that, change those flavors. So when you're looking at that wall of cheddar, just know that they do all taste different, and it's worth finding your favorites for different applications. Maybe go on a mission to try them all. Yeah, yeah. Go on a mission to try all the cheddars. Eat all the cheese. And if you're thinking, these two seem really, really similar, what's the difference? Get them both and try them side by side. <laughs> because we how sound can like you really know? Now. Uh, well, we are salespeople. But uh, but I truly want people to try cheddar just for the joy of cheddar. If I could give it to you for free to try, I would. Sometimes we do when Sometimes we get to we sample. Do. We can't do that right now. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, sampling will open up. Probably after pandemics or yeah, no I'm really missing demos right now. I have to say, I miss people. I miss feeding people free cheese really bad. That's really, been really emotionally hard. I mean, it helps us sell the cheese, but then also I feel like I get more FaceTime mm-hmm. with with customers. Yeah, and it informs the cheeses that I order because when people respond really favorably to certain cheeses, they're often telling me, "Oh, I like this because it's stinky and creamy and has like." Yeah. A really soft rind. Yeah. I've actually done demos where a a vendor will send me samples of something that we don't have, and it'll be like three flavors of a cheddar or something. And I'll I'll cut them up and put them out as samples and then let customers vote. I'll put out a little tally sheet. (laughs) And I'll be like, vote for your favorite. Which one? Like, which one should I bring in? That would be very fun to do with our podcast audience sometime. Yes. Voting. Voting. Tell us which cheeses you want. Okay. Next on the list. Next on the list. Can I sub in X cheese in this recipe? 
this recipe that I have, which I've I've got off the internet, or my my aunt in Poughkeepsie sent it to me. Aunt Poughkeepsie. My, she's in Poughkeepsie. Her name isn't Poughkeepsie. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's. Uh, that's that, a that's a that's a complicated question, it's a which complicated is why, why question I included that's it here. Almost like asking your cheesemonger, "Will I like this cheese?" <laughs> I don't know. I don't have your taste buds, but I think some recipes yeah. definitely. Let's break it down a little. So, like in some recipes, it'll make a huge difference if the cheese is there with a very specific cooking property in mind. Like if. If you're baking with cheese, like mm-hmm. in a pie, that recipe might be really dependent on like the cheese's moisture and texture. Mm-hmm. So it could really change your quiche if you start throwing very different cheeses in there. Right. If you replace all that lovely Gruyere with cream cheese, your quiche is going to be weird. It's going to be a little different. You yeah. might you might really like it. You I don't might. know. But I, I myself demand to have really good Swiss in my quiche. But if you're thinking, oh, my God, that's really expensive, you can mix it up a little bit and, and, you know, still have some of that bold flavor that you want and then fill it out with maybe a less expensive Swiss. If you pick a a cheese to sub in that has very similar properties, like I would use Norwegian... Oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on Jarlsberg? the name. Jarlsberg. Thank you. I was like, it's named after a town. Um, <laughs> I would use Nor- Norwegian Jarlsberg in place of Gruyere in a quiche, and I'd be super happy with yeah. those results. It's got yeah. a Swissy flavor. Maybe if you're maybe if you're making a quiche for the in-laws you don't love so much, you don't want to spend <laughs> the big bucks on the really expensive stuff, then yeah, sure. Yeah. Are those yeah. in-laws from Poughkeepsie? I don't know. I'm not thinking of any in-laws in to be specific. Okay, uh, let, let's get off of in-laws before we get in trouble. Uh, I think you can you can sub in cheeses. Yeah. And I think for a lot of recipes, when it calls for cheese, what the recipe really wants is just it wants something salty and delicious and probably fatty and creamy in there. And in that and case... Yeah, and melty. Just go nuts. Yeah. If if you have a recipe for a salad that calls for a specific cheese, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, as a cheesemonger, I give you permission to experiment and just throw any cheese you want at that salad because it's yeah. probably going to be good. Yeah. There might be a very specific flavor pairing with the walnuts and the cheese that's been created, but it's still going to yeah. be a pretty good salad. Yeah, maybe all you've got in your fridge is feta, and you've got all the other ingredients for the salad except the blue cheese that it called for. Try the feta. Maybe that'll be great. It'll probably be great. In fact, I'd I'd be willing to bet like a small amount of money. Yeah, it's going to be great. A small amount of money, just in case I'm wrong. You mentioned reblichon. Yeah. And that is actually hard for us to get. And when we, if we could get it, it's pretty darn expensive. Yeah. So I don't typically carry it, even though I'd love to have it in the case. Um, if you are, if you pull a recipe off the internet and you're making something and it calls for Reblichon, you could totally replace Reblichon with Camembert or a smelly brie. And that would be fine. Yeah. That would totally work. When, when you're replacing cheeses in a recipe, feel free to consult your cheesemonger and say, I can't get Reblichon here. Can you recommend a cheese that is similar? Because I actually yeah. really love playing that game. I do too. 
I like, well, I like talking to people about what they're making and what they're planning on. Yes. And, and, and helping seeing them if I can come snag up with the something. recipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, I think if you find a cheese with similar properties, you can always sub it in. Yeah. But if you can kind of figure out what, what, what it's going to do in that recipe, like, okay, you're supposed to grate Reggiano Italian Parmesan on top of this pasta recipe. But like a hard salty grating cheese that you do have on hand is probably also going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd probably still like be Pecorino still be delicious. Maybe you would discover that you liked that replacement cheese better than the intended cheese. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you will improve the recipe. Improve it. Yes. That's always a possibility. So yeah, in general, experiment, play around. Um I think we should cover one more topic. <laughs> you, uh, I'm looking at my list here. There's so many good ones here, but I'm going to say, can I eat the rind? Yes. I will add to that. Oh, yeah. There's if things you want to, add. to If you want to. Yeah. I do feel it makes me cringe and, and I am disappointed in people when they hollow out the brie and they don't eat the rind. <laughs> that is very bad form. It is. It's also how I started eating brie. The first few brie's I saw at parties, I was a teenager, and I'm right. like, I'm not touching that rind. Know, I'm going straight for the paste. But the rind is yummy, and there's nothing wrong with that rind. You could totally. I do find the, the rind. rind yummy now. There are rinds on cheeses like Reggiano that you've mentioned before. You probably don't want to chew on that. Maybe somebody does. Maybe somebody I, does. I actually do know some people that are like, I do like the rind. I've chewed on it. I've grated it up. I've put it in sauces. Um, I, w I will just say, like, a good rule of thumb is the rind is safe to eat. We're not going to package an unsafe rind with the cheese and then sell it to you. Right. Don't eat the rind. It's warning. poison. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, no. If you eat the rind on this ca this camembert, this special camembert that's made with, like, flowers that grow by moonlight, that one has a poisonous rind. <laughs> There's no, like, magic trick to it. There's no secret science. The rind is safe to eat. If you care for it, do. Yeah. It's probably delicious, and it was probably intended as part of the flavor of right. that cheese by the maker. And some rinds are really not super desirable. They're not going to hurt you, but they, maybe they're not really, really desirable. Like, I don't like to eat the rind on Telegio. Yeah, that's actually, I tasted it once, and just once. I found it. It didn't have as much of a flavor as I expected, and it was had kind of a gritty, sandy texture to yeah. it that was just meh. And folks, if you're wondering what Telegio is, it's it's uh, in the Arcata store. It's on the island case on the produce side of things, and it's a creamy, stinky, stinky. northern Italian classic cheese in it looks pretty funky in its package because I yeah. leave the rind on there when I cut it, but the rind is like this orange brownish color and it usually has some like gray mold splotches on it too. Yeah. It really looks like, why did they leave this it in the case? It looks dangerous. It's got splotches of yeah. like various It's supposed molds. to look like that and it's totally fine. It looks kind of like an old brick. It to does. Me. Like a mushy old brick. Yeah, a mushy old brick. Yeah. Oh, I love that I, cheese. I should probably mention, I don't actually carry Telegio here in Eureka. If you'd like me to, you can let me know. Yeah. It's a delicious cheese. We, uh... People vote for what they want in the cheese department with their dollars, and they you can definitely, definitely make requests. And if it's one person in the last five years that has requested a very special thing that's really expensive, we we'll probably won't bring it in. 
But if I get like three people in a month asking for something, you can bet I'm going to be trying to track down that thing to see if we can possibly bring it in. Absolutely. I like bringing I in completely exciting agree. new things. And you can bet when we bring that special cheese in for you. If it has a rind, you can eat it. Yeah. If you want to. Don't eat the wax. Oh, yeah. No, don't eat the cheese wax. <laughs> it won't poison you, but like it'll probably do weird things to your digestion. And like, yeah. 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 Nobody needs that. All right. Well. All right. I think on that note. On that note. That concludes today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this. If you're interested in cheese featured in this show, come visit us at uh, our cheese departments at either stores located at 811 I Street in Arcata or 25 4th Street in Eureka. Uh, Please follow the North Coast Co-op on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at northcoast.coop. That's co-op, C-O-O-P, 